Oh, church, that is the last time we're going to see that sermon, sermon bumper for a sermon. I mean, you can go watch it as much as you want. I might do that. It always gets me pumped up, gets me ready to embrace exile and, and live on mission for Jesus. And so as we wrap up this series through First Peter, what we're going to do today is go through these last three verses. And you're probably like, it's just a, it's just a greeting. Well, it's more than that, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that in a in a few minutes. But this last transition that that uh, I want to move us, uh, I want to move us in, in this series is from escape to exile. What I mean by that is, sometimes we have this mentality that we just need to escape the world. There's this escapism that is all through society today. Sometimes you just feel like you gotta escape your life. You gotta escape your job. You gotta escape your family. You know, I just need a break from my kids who are just like crying. I need a break from my boss who's just hounding me all the time. I need a break from this rat race. So I'm gonna go to the cottage. I need a, I need a break um, from my rhythm, so I'm gonna go on vacation. I need, I, I need to escape. Like, uh, there's a movie back in the day with this taxi driver who, um, every time he has a bad client, he would pull down his visor and on the visor would be a tropical island paradise. And he would just look at that, stare at that, meditate on it, reflect on it. And he would hear the wind and the waves and the birds and, the, and probably smell the salt in the air. And then someone went into the taxi and be snapped back to reality, right? So escapism, it's everywhere in our culture. We just want to get, get away, right? Like, and, and we don't necessarily think it's a bad thing anymore. And I'm not saying it is or isn't. Like, I'm saying, yes, you know, you need breaks. You need to have a rhythm of rest. We need Sabbath. So, but I don't, I don't view those things as escape. I view them as resting as in the presence of God, like even vacation, time to rejuvenate and let the Spirit speak to you about, about what's next, right? So um, we've also seen this in the church and it's seeped in a church culture. Let's, let's create an experience where, where people can escape, where people can uh, experience God. No, guys, you need to be experiencing God in every aspect of your life. You shouldn't come to a church gathering to escape. So I want to move us from escape into exile, into embracing exile. Because part of that is embracing this life that God has called us to live, this abundant life that he's given us. And like we said last time, there's so many amazing, good things that God has given us. And he's, op- he's hopefully started to open your eyes to that based on what we talked about last time. And so when we, as Peter says back in uh, 2 verse 3, if indeed you know that God is good, you've tasted and you've seen and you've experienced his goodness. Well, now this. So he says here, 
By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. So stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. So does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So we can just read that and think, oh, okay, Peter's just ending his letter. Yeah, blah, blah. But for those of you who are writers who have written something, you know that the conclusion, it, that these are the last thoughts that someone is going to read in your book, in your paper, in your blog, in your article, in your whatever it is. <laughs> and so your conclusion is one of the most important parts of what you're writing. So don't just read over this because he's mentioning Sylvanus. We don't know who, who he's talking about or he's talking about Mark. And we're like, well, who, who is Mark? Is that Mark? You know, um, or he's talking about Babylon. And we're like, well, what was he referring to there? And in and, and your Bible, your subtitle just says, oh, final greetings. No, it's not just final greetings. Guys, those, those subheadings can be distracting sometimes. They're there to help us, but they're not inspired. They're not um, uh, inerrant. Uh, they're, they're there to help us. Uh, but here, I think it kind of takes away from what Peter's trying to do because these last three verses are actually a reiteration of the first uh, two verses of the book where he talks about um, being exiles, where he talks about the, the, the people in exile. Remember Babylon, exile? Uh, he talks about uh, this in the beginning as well, where he talks about grace and peace being multiplied to you. He ends here with saying the true grace of God and peace to all of you. So he ends with multiplying grace and peace. And, and guys, that is our task as followers of Jesus, as the people of God, is to multiply grace. And simply define grace is giving others what they don't deserve. It's you receiving what you didn't deserve. It's God's unmerited favor. It's you giving people unmerited favor. And you may say, well, that's easy. I mean, I, I can do that. I, I, give, I give people things all the time. Well, here's, here's, the, here's, the big, here's the big transition maybe for us. Um, Jesus says, uh, back, back in the Gospels, he says, well, it's easy to do that. It's easy to love. It's easy to do that to people who love you back. The test is, can you do that to your enemies? Not just to people who are neutral, but people who are actually persecuting you. When you are cursed, can you bless when evil is done to you, can you overcome it with good? A lot of times, instead, when, when we are cursed, we think if we just don't do anything, well, that's good enough. It's not. Not for a follower of Jesus. And not for you, really. Because what happens, if you don't bless, one, you're perpet you've, you've allowed the evil in them to potentially uh, perpetuate, but you've also allowed the evil they've done to you to perpetuate in your heart. 
potentially, into bitterness, into resentment, into anger, into malice. But when you bless, you seal that in the Holy Spirit. And so giving unmerited favor is hard, but we're called to multiply that. Why? Because we've received it. Because it's been given to us. So if you have received that from God, you can give that to others. Remember, we don't just consume it. We're moving to consummate it. Right? So you have received that grace. You've tasted and seen the Lord is good. Now you get to give it. It's not for you to store up for yourself. It's for you to give to others. And when you can do that, you'll receive more. Give out more. Give out more. Give out. So you multiply grace and you multiply peace. And he says here, peace to all of you who are in Christ. And when he talks about that here, uh, we've talked about peace before, but let me just reiterate it for us. It's, it's wholeness. It's shalom. It's this perfect rest, this peace that we have in Christ. Uh, sorry, my contact is messing up. Okay, I'm good. Um, so this peace we have in Christ Jesus, we are also to multiply to others. We're not just supposed to experience rest and escape and go on vacation and, and lay out on the beach. We're supposed to bring others to the beach. We're supposed to bring others there. That, that imagery, uh, if you know the C.S. Lewis quote from The Weight of Glory, where he talks about, uh, he says, we are half-hearted creatures. Uh, we're too easily satisfied. Uh, we're satisfied with, with uh, playing with mud pies in the slum when what's offered to us is a holiday at the beach. We're to bring others to that, into the rest of God, into the peace of God. So he says, and this is the crux of the entire book, to stand firm in it. He says, this is a true grace of God. So your question as you're reading this should be, what is the antecedent to this? What's he referring to? This what? Stand firm in it. Well, what is it? <laughs> well, stand firm in it is a true grace of God, okay? But this is a true grace of God. What is this? This refers to everything he's just said. Now for us, what was it? We were back in April. So this was one, two, three, about a four-month series. So it seems like it's been forever ago. But if you read 1 Peter front to back, I mean, you could read it in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, right? Just front to back. So this, if he's referring to everything, it doesn't seem like that big of a, that big of a deal. To us, it may seem like that because we've been going through this book for four months. So we're gonna, I'm gonna remind you today of what he's talking about. When he says this is the true grace of God, we're gonna go through the, the book today and go through the themes and the transitions that we've talked about through this entire series. Uh, don't worry, I'm not gonna re-preach each of those sermons. Um, so it won't be, it won't, it won't take that long, uh, hopefully. So uh, he's, he's uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to go through this. And as, as we do this, I want you to think about what God has done in you through the series. But I also want you to think, okay, which transitions do I need to make? 
what do I need to give to God in this time? You know, last week we talked about from consumerism to consummation. You know, am I just hold, am I just consuming things and not being part of the consummation of things? You know, maybe that's something that God needs to work out in your heart. You know, from escape to exile this week, am I, am I too bent on escapism? Like, I haven't even really thought about that. God, and, and, and guys, before you say no to these things, ask the Lord. I always ask God, I say, God, is that me? Like, am, am I that? Is that affecting me? Like, is that drawing, away, drawing me away from you? Like, those are, those are significant questions you can ask the Lord. So as we go through the, the book this morning, I want you to, to just think through each of those transitions and have, have something you can write it down with. Have your phone, have pen and paper, and, and write down things so you remember with the Lord what to work on. And, and you can respond in your R3s after this as well. You can respond uh, to the transition that, that really, or the transitions that really have stuck out to you that the Lord is saying, yes, I want this for you. I want this for you so that you can experience life abundantly, so that you can now multiply grace and peace as you're intended to. So back in, back in chapter one, we talked about from immediate family to eternal family, and there Peter's preparing us to think about the people of God as our family. He's preparing us to think through what it looks like to have true brothers and sisters in Christ, an eternal family. Guys, if that's the case, you don't ever just cut somebody off who's a brother and sister in Christ. They're in your family. Like, you're gonna see them again one day, whether it's here or, or in the next life. And so you might as well reconcile here. And this redefines family for us from me being concerned about my wife and my kids or my parents or my brothers and sisters to being focused on the entire eternal family of God. You know, in 2 Corinthians 4.15, Paul says this, and this is mine and Missy's mantra. Uh, you can see this coming up and down the stairs in our home uh, on a plaque, it says, it says, uh, we do this all for your sake, the church, the people of God. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And so for us, from Missy and I, we see that every day. This is, this is about the eternal family of God. We do this for your sake. We're living on mission for you. Now, ultimately, yes, we're doing this for Jesus, right? But as Paul says, as you do that, it's not focused on me, Paul. It's not focused on me, Mike. It's focused on you for your sake. That's, that's a transition from immediate family to eternal family. Now also he, he goes in in chapter one and talks about moving from tangible to intangible. This is, this is, this is a, about eternal perspective, right? It, it's about not worrying about the, the things that we can grasp and, and, and take a hold of, but the things that are intangible in the kingdom of God, the things that he's blessed us with here. Because he talks about saying, blessed be God. So he blesses God first. And then he says there, that we need to focus on things that are imperishable, that are undefiled, that are unfading, because that is our inheritance. Stop focusing on the things that are perishable, the things that won't last. 
the things that only give you momentary pleasure, but also give you momentary affliction. Right? Guys, so many things, so many of the things we find pleasure in also afflict us. Think about that. Like, uh, uh, just, just think about uh, a, a, um, a house you buy, especially in this city. Like you, you, you buy a house and you think, oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get so much pleasure from it. It's gonna, I'm gonna be secure. It's gonna secure me in it. Uh, and I'm gonna feel so much better. Well, it also provides you a lot of affliction because now you're tied to a mortgage because now you're in debt, a bunch of debt in this city because now you have to do renovations because now your water heater broke because now your roof has a leak in it because now it just, it just goes on and on. So a lot of things that we seek to find and yeah, I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying don't get a house. I'm just saying this is the reality of it. A lot of things we seek to find pleasure in also bring us affliction. And he's saying there's things that we can find pleasure in that are imperishable, that are undefiled, that are unfading, that is our inheritance in the Lord. And so redirect your gaze towards those things. See the beauty of God in those things. That's the abundant life. Money fades, material possessions fade, family relationships on this earth fade, friends fade, relationships fade, right? Like those, those things can be, but, but the eternal family of God, imperishable. The grace of God, imperishable. The joy of the Holy Spirit, imperishable. And if that's your focus, God will give you things and help you see how to use things like a house, like your job, like, like relationships that are imperishable, or sorry, that are perishable for imperishable means, for imperishable purposes. And so it's a redefining, it's a placement of those things. Not that we just throw all those things aside. So tangible to intangible. Next, uh, to, round, or to continue in chapter one, he talks about, or uh, the transition we talked about was from internal to external. This is, we talked about in there, uh, not just being a people who is focused on, on ourselves inside, but, but one who's focused on others. Because he says, he says here, uh, he talks about the sufferings of Christ. He says the prophets prophesied this. They, they, it was revealed to them, and they weren't serving themselves. They are serving us. Right? They're serving you, they're serving me. And you know, it's interesting that Peter frames the gospel and the sufferings of Christ here when, when uh, the last time we saw him in the gospels, he was standing in Jesus's way saying, no, you will not go to the cross. He basically says, over my dead body, you will die. And, and Jesus says, uh, get behind me, Satan. He says, no, you can't, you can't stop this. This is the mission of God. And now Peter has fully owned it. And he says, it's the sufferings of Christ that, uh, that make us who we are, which he's setting us up for us as a people of God walking forward in this world of suffering. And, and just to be clear here, uh, yeah, well, I'll talk about it a, a little later. So the next thing to round out chapter one uh, that, that Adam, uh, or sorry, that, uh, well, actually there's two more in chapter one. Wow. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get going. 
there's uh, Michelle talked about from holiness to wholeness. And she talked about how sometimes we view holiness as uh, it's, it's almost legalistic, right? And holiness has become our goal, but that's not our goal because holiness is your identity. He says, you shall be holy for I am holy. So us living out from internal to external for others is a manifestation of our holiness, of our set apartness. Uh, Michelle gave us that, that, that um, imagery of girding up your loins, right? And, and preparing your minds and being sober-minded. So uh, we're to move from holiness and just that pursuit to, to wholeness, a life that's integrated and full. And then Adam talked about from Bible learning to Bible living and, and talked about how we live and abide in the word of God and what that means for discipleship. And he, he used a quote in there that most Christians are, are 300 Bible verses overweight, which means we're consuming Bible verses, but it's not transforming our lives. And, and it's just, we're just storing up the fat of it instead of living out and exercising it for Jesus Christ. And then in chapter two, Jamie kicked us off and talked about moving from relevant to revelation. Uh, she talked about how we aren't meant to be like the world, but we're meant to reveal our savior to the world. And this is such a beautiful passage. There's so much uh, Old Testament imagery in here with the Psalms being quoted and, and, and verse three, tasting the Lord. Um, and his goodness with living stones. And uh, I mean, this is all the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books, chosen, raised, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for his own possession. All this is covenant language. This is covenant membership in, <clears throat> in the people of God. This is God saying, I am your God and you are my people. He says, I've called you out of marvelous light. Um, uh, sorry, called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And uh, we see here again, uh, sojourners and exiles. And then the next thing where I picked up from secular to sacred. And Peter's already called us exiles. He's already used this word for us. Um, and he talks here, uh, he's reminding us here that we are exiles in a foreign land. That we are God's people now. Our citizenship is in heaven. We aren't from here. We are from there. Our destination has shifted in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Colossians 3 that your life is hidden in Christ. Where? At the right hand of the throne of God. He says, in fact, actually, your life is Christ. That's your new life. That's the abundant life. That's why these transitions can happen. That's why these shifts can take place. So, Moving from secular to sacred, I talked about how uh, we don't need to dichotomize those two. Secular just means non-religious, which actually we should like because we don't ever talk about a religion. We talk about a relationship with Jesus, right? We're not here to, to spread a religion and say, do these things to get to heaven. We're here to say, no, Jesus did it all for you. So how do we redeem everything for the sacred? That's ushering in the kingdom of God in all spaces. We talked about that there. And you may need to figure out how to do that at work. You may need to figure out how to do that um, at home or among your friends. Guys, 
uh, I know your workplace is, I know it's tough to figure out how to live out your faith there. There's examples all over the place of how to do this. Um, uh, Chris Broussard, he's an ESPN, or he was an ESPN analyst, he's now with Fox Sports. Uh, he does this really well. Uh, he's a follower of Jesus, unabashedly, unashamedly. He's, he, he, uh, and he stands up for his faith. And he's done so on air, on and ESPN is the major sports network in in uh, the states. TSN would be its um, equivalent here, and uh, and now he's with Spot Fox Sports, which is also a huge sports network, and and so uh, there's an example there of someone who does it, and it actually hasn't detrimentally affected his job or his witness. It's actually increased it. I know sometimes we're just so scared that uh, we're gonna get fired for our faith. We're gonna, well, guys, I'm not telling you to go in and start street preaching at your corner cubicle. You know, like sometimes we think that's, that's the option. Either we hide here or we street preach here. No, it's talking about being salt and light, spreading the word, um, being a witness for the standing up for what's right and justice and proclaiming the love and light of Jesus along the way. Uh, if you want to see how to do that uh, in the spaces that we do it in here through the New Common, because um, a lot of my a lot of my workspace, you think, oh well, you don't know how to do that because you work in the church. A lot of my workspace is outside of the church. It's in the community here. It's with it's on other projects with the city, with the government. Um, and, uh, and I unabashedly uh, uh, stand up for Jesus in those spaces and talk about what I believe. Um, not to say that you had to believe this, but hey guys, this is my lens. And they honor that because they're able to share their lens. Um, and, and so, uh, guys, I just want to encourage you that there's examples out there to, to see that. Um, and, and we want to help empower you and equip you to do that. So from secular to sacred, and then in chapter two, rounding that out from submission to sacrifice, this is kind of a, uh, this is a leading into the next two um, sermons for us, the kind of the umbrella one and how we need to submit ourselves in order to sacrifice. And he gives us Christ's example here and he gives this suffering servant passage here, the most clear one out of Isaiah, uh, yeah, out of Isaiah. Um, in chapter, at the end of chapter two here. And that leads us uh, into the next thing from equality to eternity, where, where we talked about what this, what this looks like, what, what, um, what an eternal mindset looks like rather than just seeking equality or our culture's understanding of what equality should be. There's more that's offered to us than equality and that's eternity. And then talked about from confrontation to conversation, uh, continuing in chapter three, because a lot of times when we talk about our faith, because we bottled it up so much, because we don't know how to do so in gentleness and respect, like he says here, we just, it just becomes a confrontation. We just blow up on people and we, and we condemn them and we, and, and we say, well, you're sinners. No, guys, Jesus, Jesus didn't do that to people. We see him uh, yelling at the religious right, the Pharisees. We see him condemning them and saying, you brood of vipers, for instance. 
But to those who are just lost sheep, he shares love and light. He says, come and follow me and just see, see what this is like. He honors them for their faith. He feasts with them. He parties with them. He, he sits around a table with them and eats a meal with them. And he shares the love and light of, of God with them. And so we need to move from confrontation to be able to have conversations. Our next series is called Multiply Faith Conversations. And we're going to hopefully equip and empower you to do so. Especially as we move into, guys, our society today has moved into more polarization than I've seen in my, in my entire life. Um, and we're more, more polarized than ever. We're on the extremes. That's why I stay off most of social media because it's all about extremes. It's all about tokenism. It's all about um, this cancel culture, which we talked about earlier on in the series. Um, it's, it's all about, yeah, it's just, uh, it's not about conversation. So how do we actually, and that's become the, the public square. It's become the front porch. And we're like, no, the front porch was one of conversation. How do we recreate that? How do we actually invite people in conversation? How do we have the mentality of God where he says in Isaiah, come, let's reason together. And this is to a people who are like, God, we're going into exile. God, like, this is so tough. Like, um, why is this happening? What is going on? He says, come, let's reason together. Let's just talk about this. So from confrontation to conversation. And then Daniel took us in verse 18 uh, in a chapter four, uh, which is probably... Um, the toughest passage in this, in this book. And Daniel did an amazing job in taking us through it because we still talk about how we love or, or, or we still love to partake in the ways of the world. So he, he talked about from complicit to commission. And we're complicit in it, guys. Entertainment, social media, uh, think the movies you watch and the music you listen to. We're complicit in the ways of this world. We're perpetuating those things. And, and you're giving money to those things. That the, the money that God's given you, you're giving to those industries. And unless you're pirating them, then you're sinning. Because uh, <laughs> you're stealing. Uh, uh, and you're complicit still. And, and Daniel talked about how we move from just being complicit to really moving on commission and in commission. And that commission is the mission of God co-mission, on mission together with God, cooperating on mission with God, right? The great commission and the beauty of what Jesus did to free us from complicity with this world. And Daniel took us beautifully through that and it led us into from education to transformation where I talked about how we're wired in education and how that can't just stay cognitive, but it needs to transform us and transform our hearts where we live it out. And that's when true transformation happens. And then from success to suffering, Jamie talked about, and she did a fantastic job in talking to us about how we move from this idea of success. And she gave her, her, um, her flautist illustration, uh, which I thought, at first I thought, is she, is she talking about like Mexican flautas, like, like the food? Uh, but she's talking about playing the flute. I think like this, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-dee. Um, that should remind you of a movie. Uh, you can type in the chat if you know what it is. So 
um, uh, from, what was it, from success to suffering and how a lot of times we define success as not suffering, but she says in the kingdom, if we're suffering for righteousness sake, Peter says that is success. That we experience joy and blessing out of it because we're living on mission for God. Because Jesus said, you're not greater than your master. If your master suffered, why aren't you? You will suffer for righteousness sake. It will happen. You may lose your job. You may, uh, you, you may lose a relationship. You may lose um, certain things in this world. But he says, count it as joy when you suffer for righteousness sake. And then Adam took us through from superiority to submission. And, uh, and, and that, those are in, the, in verses five, one through four, where, where it's really talking about leaders and, um, and how uh, we're to be like, like Christ Jesus and submit ourselves and to humble ourselves. And, and then just last week, guys, I, I piggybacked off of that and talked about moving from consumerism to consummation, clothing ourselves in humility and wearing humility and giving gratitude to the Lord in order to humble ourselves and then being able to cast our anxieties on him so that we can be sober-minded, clear-minded, be spiritually um, in sobriety and in order to resist the enemy so that the kingdom of God can be ushered in so that he can restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. He can secure us, that word also means. He can, he can make us secure. We are in his hands. And that leads us to today, from escape to exile, where, like I said, we need to get out of this mentality that we're to escape this world. This is our world. God gave us this world to exercise dominion over it. That's the cultural meant to create culture, to perpetuate his image, to help restore that in others. Now, again, that was put on hold in the fall. But when Jesus came, he inaugurated that new, that plan again. He kickstarted it again. And we're joining him in that mission to bring us to consummation. So we are essentially in the wilderness, moving to the promised land. And God is providing all things for us to do that. As, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, he's giving us everything we need in order to do that. To move to the promised land. He's providing for our needs. He's aligning our desires with his. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's given us his very self who dwells in us. The new covenant is here. I rejoice in that. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You have immediate access to every, Ephesians 1 says, to all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Stop living like you're in darkness. If you consider yourself uh, to be saved, to be a person of God, to be a follower of Jesus, to be in Christ, stop living like you're in darkness. 
He is your everything. He's your life. And he's given you everything you need to live the abundant life, to not live in a scarcity of, men, uh, sorry, a mentality of scarcity, but to live in a mentality of surplus, of abundance. And you have access to that in Christ Jesus. This is our place in the world. Let peace rule in your hearts, as he says in Colossians. Stand firm in all of this. All of this that we just talked about, that is the true grace of God. That is the true unmerited favor of God that you have to receive in order to multiply into others. And we get to do that as a people of God. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, ah, that is what's offered to you. You don't have to be there in the darkness anymore. He's called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You don't have to be alone anymore and just seek to escape. He's called you with a people of God, a community, a community of God, to live as exiles for God, as a, rural, as a rural priesthood, as a holy nation, as a people for his own possession. He's called you to experience his love and his goodness. He wants you to taste and see that he is good this morning or today. And so join us as we pray these things for the sake of Trinity Life, our church, but for the sake of Toronto, for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of all the churches here in our city, in our country, in the world. Because as he says, we know that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by our brotherhood throughout all the world. So let's pray together for the people of God all over the world this morning. Father, may we be a part of representing the people of God well to live up to our calling in Christ Jesus as we join with our brothers and sisters all over the world we pray a blessing of grace on them and, and peace and joy. Remind them they've tasted of your goodness because most of them are undergoing far more persecution than we are for their faith. They're undergoing far more detrimental circumstances than we are for our faith. And so we pray that you would strengthen them as you strengthen us, that as Peter says here, that we would all serve you as one who serves in the strength and the power of the Lord, that we would all speak as people who speak the oracles of the living God. So we know that when we speak as followers of Jesus, it changes the atmosphere. It changes the circumstances around us. Just as Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves and said, peace be still, we can speak that to our circumstances because peace lives in side us. And so produce your, your, your fruit in a spirit, your love and your joy and your peace and your patience, your long suffering, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, your self-control. So we would be a people for your own possession, God, declaring the love and light of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit while we embrace exile in order to usher in the consummation of your kingdom. In your name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen.